Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Real Kipper and Bourne. Show number 149. Where'd the where'd 148 go, JB? <laughs> I don't know, buddy. I hope 150's in studio, though, I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, plenty of storylines throughout the National Hockey League, including uh, one out west where who could have predicted a Dallas Stars hockey club shutting down the offense of the Calgary Flames. Let's bring in Eric Francis here, who's got all the answers for us, because JB and I have none. Eric, how are you? I'm good, boys. I got, I I can't explain how <laughs> the Calgary Flames can be uh, this anemic an offense. But anyway, go ahead with your questions. I'll give you the best I got. Well, um, if you can't, I, I don't think anybody can. But uh, it, it's been quite remarkable to watch this thing play out and just wondering now, um, can, can, they conti- can, can they beat Calgary shutting down the middle of the ice? You know, they've done a great job, obviously. Like, in the three games in this series, the Flames have scored three goals. And, and you know, the Flames this season finished sixth in scoring in the league. They had quite the offense. Obviously, that top line was was arguably the best in hockey with Goudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm. Statistically, they, they they were by far the best line in hockey. And they've been neutralized. And, you know, this is a Dallas Stars team, guys, that we've seen for three decades, like going back to when Hitch was here. Like, they've just perfected the art of just shutting down the middle of the ice, keeping everything to the periphery, and anything that does get through it. The Flames have kind of gotten better and better as the series has gone on with their scoring chances. But when they do get in there, uh, Jake Ottinger of all people has, has been the star of the series. It's just quite an amazing, amazing development in the three games. The flames played Dallas during the regular season. They scored 11 goals, which is about normal for the Calgary flames. In these three games in the playoffs, they've got three. I mean, yeah, the sky's falling in Calgary where fans are worried that it's yet another face plant in the playoffs, which has been happening for three decades. But uh, you know, I, I think that if you talk to the players, these guys have vowed to learn from three years ago when they lost five games to the Colorado Avalanche after winning the, the West Conference, and, and, and they vowed to lose from learn from losing to Dallas in the bubble two years ago. But, you know, they, they're saying all the right things, saying they're not panicking. But I know in Calgary it's a different story where the fans are uh, waiting anxiously for tonight's game. How much of the, the lack of offense feels related to Daryl Sutter's strategy and preferences? Like the team surely is focusing on defense as the as you know the number one thing, which I think they did throughout the regular season. Does it feel like it's too much focus on that? Should they be opening up a bit, or is it just you know a couple of games and things will go their way eventually? You know, Borny, like it's funny if if you would have said that the Daryl Sutter to beat your head off like he does with me every day, uh, <laughs> but he. He hates the term defensive hockey. He says we don't play defensive hockey. We we play uh, we play a forechecking brand of hockey. So, you know, by keeping the puck out of your own zone, like by forechecking fiercely and creating turnovers and such, right. theoretically, theoretically the play's not in your zone. But I I know what you're saying, and I, I say the same thing. They play on the right side of the puck always, uh, and that means on the defensive side of the puck to try and just prevent goals more than anything else. You know. The number one mantra for Daryl Sutter is indeed uh, 
prevent goals. That's first and foremost. But this team, you know, played an exciting brand all year long where they, yeah, I think they were the third best team in the league at keeping the puck out of their own zone, yet they still scored the six most goals. So they were dynamic at both ends. Obviously, the defensive side of this, they're still playing great hockey. They're limiting chances. Dallas, Dallas doesn't have many more goals than the Flames do in this series. Um, and, and Markstrom's got a sparkling goals against average and a shutout. And the save percentage is amazing. So defensively, they've been great. They just, they're not able to just create those turnovers, I guess. And then when they do get in the offensive zone, everything's to the outside. Like Dallas has done a phenomenal job at just blocking the Flames from getting anywhere near Jake Ottinger. That doesn't really uh, help the style. That that style of play wouldn't help a guy like uh, Johnny Goudreau. No goals so far. Please tell me at least what he was able to do over 82 games uh, gets him the benefit of the doubt going into game four. But he's running out of time here, isn't he? Yeah. That's well put because everyone's kind of wondering in Calgary, is it too early to jump on Johnny Goudreau? He's got a long history of, of, of faltering in the playoffs or just not not faltering, but just his goals again, his goals per game and points per game far inferior in the playoffs to the, to the regular season, you know, which stands to reason for a smaller guy when the game gets more physical uh, and things tighten up, you know, of course you would expect that um, he played a, so much better this year than he ever did in his career. And people thought, well, maybe this year will be different. And so far, it hasn't been. He's got two assists in the three games. Flashes of brilliance, but, um, you know, not the dangerous player that he was all season long. And, you know, the coach, his theory on Johnny and really all of their offenses, the games have been disrupted by penalties constantly. And this is not an excuse. This is just kind of an explanation. You know, they really want to play five-on-five hockey. Five-on-five, the Calgary Flames were the best team in the league this year, statistically. And they want to play five-on-five five as much as possible. There have been seven instances in this uh, in this series where they've, they've had uh, coincidental minors. And so they're playing four-on-four. Daryl Sutter said yesterday, it usually takes about 20 regular season games to play that many four-on-four four situations. So they're not used to it. It, 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 allow, it doesn't allow them to roll four lines. You know, again, these all sound like excuses. But I do think it's an explanation. The, the Flames need to stay out of the penalty box, not just – because they've got to give up, you know, fewer power plays. But four-on-four four doesn't serve them well either in this series. So they need to get back to just playing five-on-five, five, stop the scrums, stop the Matthew Kachuk fighting John Klingberg every game, and just play hockey. And, and that, they feel like that's a recipe for more success. I'm, I'm sorry, was that Kling, Klingberg or Kling Kong? <laughs> he's a thug out there no it is fascinating watch Kachuk get tangled up with him like hey like don't don't worry about that guy go be better at hockey you know watching the you know the little bit of this series I have I can't make sense of Dallas being effective you know just having watched them during the regular season being like that team's not very good and watching the flames and loving them up what are you seeing from the dallas stars that is maybe a little better than than people like me had given them credit for well just just that total team uh defense that total team effort in their own zone and and clogging up the neutral zone and all that like everything you can do to be a defensive first team and then they're just so off- opportunistic offensively like Pavelski's got three goals, which matches the Flames' total. 
uh, you know, beautiful redirection, and the other two were just just really perfectly timed uh, rebound opportunities that that nobody would have missed in the league. So uh, they're just opportunistic, and uh, you know, I, I don't. In terms of X's and O's, you guys are far better at that sort of stuff. In terms of trying to figure out what they're exactly doing, but I can just tell you this. You know, the Calgary Flames get in the offensive zone and time and space have been taken away more so than ever before this season. And Dallas is doing such a great job. And then, and like I say, when something does slip through the cracks, Jake Austin, you know, we got to give that guy a ton of credit. He's the story of the series. Uh, 23-year-old guy who never started a playoff game in his pro career until this uh, until this last couple of weeks. And uh, the guy's amazing. He's standing on his head. Um, I do think it'll be a different story tonight, and I, I don't want to sound like a homer when I say that. I just, I really do believe the, the Flames are making progress. They have 41 shots on goal the other night. That's a typical Calgary Flames game, and I do think that they're going to figure out ways to get better scoring chances. Goudreau had a breakaway with three minutes to go the other night and couldn't finish it. Uh, these guys are, I, I think they'll be better tonight. I think you'll see a lot more goals. I also saw Goudreau scored on a offside call where he maybe didn't hear the whistle. That was enjoyable too. Um, looking at <laughs> looking at their lineup for tonight, it looks like uh, they have kind of doubled down on defense and heaviness. Looks like Richie was on the second line. Mangiapane was on the fourth line. Is that the case? They're going for a shuffle up here? Yeah, they're just tweaking little things. I asked Daryl about it and he said uh, that is a fluid situation that will remain fluid throughout the course of the day. Uh, and he smiled. Okay. Uh, who knows? Who knows what any of it means? I I, I think he's unhappy with Mangiapane. Uh, you know, uh, I think that he wants to add some weight to that line with uh, Backlund and Tafoli. Either way, I mean that's just shuffling deck deck chairs on the Titanic. I mean, I'm not saying this team is is sinking, <laughs> but I'm just saying these are minor little changes. And yeah, in the playoffs, we kind of magnify all that stuff. I mean, I'm tweeting about these sort of things for sure, but. It, it, you know, the third and fourth line are not the problem of the Calgary Flames. As a matter of fact, I thought that Milan Lucic, uh, Brett Ritchie, and uh, Trevor Lewis the other night, I mean, people listening right now in Toronto are going, who, who, and who? Uh, I mean, they all know Lewis, Lucic. But, you know, the, they were the best line the Calgary Flames had the other night. That's scary. Coach agreed with me, too. They were the best line the Calgary Flames had. When your fourth line's your best line, boy, you got issues. Please tell me we still got a chance for a battle of Alberta coming up. Oh my God, I'm not giving up on it yet, Kipper. No chance. Like that, that, that would be so good for hockey. Not just Alberta and Canada. I just think it'd be so good for hockey because it would be so full of vitriol and it would be the, the the drama would be phenomenal for the game. So I'm not giving up on it. You know, the Oilers are in a really tight, good series. It's enjoyable to watch. This series is not over. I'm pretty convinced Calgary's going to bounce back tonight. And as every guy on that team keeps reminding me today, we win tonight and we got home ice advantage back. Now, obviously, they lose. It's a completely different complexion and the sky's falling as they return to Calgary. But uh, if they do win tonight, um, which I know they're very confident they're going to do, then we got a, a hell of a series on our hands. Enjoy it tonight, Eric. We really appreciate your time as always on this show. Thanks, man. Thanks, boys. Hey, let me ask you guys: Are you watching it? Because I know from the outside oh, yeah. looking in, it probably yeah. looks kind of boring. <laughs> well, it's it's a little frustrating, but you know, this isn't the first time we've seen <laughs> Dallas do this to get to a Stanley Cup final. And you know, at the end of the day, it is way way easier 
to create great defense than it is to create uh, offense, right? And they're going to their strength. It's not Ben and Sagan at $20 million collectively killing you right now. Just be big. And, and you know what else, Kipper and, and, and Eric, is uh, I think back to Daryl Sutter and the successes he's had in the playoffs. 2014, they win a cup. How does the start of the series uh, of their first round go? San Jose wins 6-3, 7-2. And, uh, you know, the, the sky is falling for the Kings, who go on to win a cup fairly handily in the end. You know, I, I don't think he's a guy to panic when he knows he's got a legitimate team. So I'm not too worried about the Flames. Well, exactly, and and when the Flames went on their miracle run in 2004, I know that's a long time ago, but that was when Daryl Sutter came in, instantly turned the franchise around. He did it with the most boring, horrific defense first. You know, everybody was water skiing behind everybody, uh, and they got to the Stanley Cup final and fell one game short of winning the Cup, and that was considered pretty boring hockey. So Calgary's getting a little taste of their own medicine right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hope for a big, boring win tonight. (laughs) <laughs> Cheers, boys. For Calgary. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Thanks Eric. Cheers. Eric Francis, Sportsnet Calgary. Ottinger making a name for himself. I just, like, I, I've been through this where I bet against Dallas for, like, 100 times over again, uh, and they went to the cup final. I, I, I This team, man, they just keep frustrating opponents, and uh, I guess I got to give them a little more credit. There's a... It, there's a scary world here in which all three of the Canadian teams are gone. Oh, you just gave a... Why do you a, have to the go head, there? The head of Why? Sportsnet just went, just had a We're chill listening. down his spine. Boys, we or got her a real spine. conversation. <laughs> Would like, you relax? The, the it's, it's deuce is wild right now. Well, it's about to be after Calgary wins tonight. We're, we're in the sweat zone here. How is <laughs> how are the Oilers two two? Am I going to be right about that? I said Kings and six. What the hell's going on? They couldn't score last night. Like they. Mm. I don't know, man. I watched a bit of that game. I, I, it's just, just the, so the, they're inconsistent. Like well, that, that's the, 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 the whole they league. Are. Come on, they are. But you're right. But the the game they beat L.A. the first game there, they looked unbeatable. Kane was buzzing around just yeah. everywhere. He's been so great for them. McDavid flying around. They're getting some good saves out of Mike Smith, and then they just go out there and go crap their pants. It's just maybe it's maybe just, the only team less predictable than the the Maple Leafs is the Oilers. That's a very great point. Honestly, they could be more less predictable than the least. So, anyways. all over the map. All right, where do you guys want to go? You want to touch on a few more series? You want to go to the the, the biggest? There's news big news of, of the day. Let's start you the want... big news. All right, okay, Barry Trotz. For all of the, you who saw this coming, raise your hand. Yeah, <laughs> I see no hands right now. No. JB. Uh, any buzz at all? You've got a little inner circle there on the island. Yeah. Did yeah. anybody see this coming? No. No one saw it coming. Um, you know, I think that there is people in the organization who are not happy with Lou Lamorello prior to this, and I actually think that there's a sneaky, sneaky amount more heat on Lou than the public thinks. And I, I can't help but look at this and wonder if it's a little bit reactionary uh, on Lou's part to sort of take the heat off himself because Barry Trotz went in there and took an organi- a team that basically lacked an identity. I think they were the worst defensive team in the NHL. Doug Waite was coaching, and 
Trotz went in there and made them the best defensive team in the league. They go to the conference final, game seven. They lose to the uh, Stanley Cup champion, Lightning. They win five series plus a play-in round. This year, they're on the road for 13 games to start the year, and they lose 10 in a row, depleted by COVID. Like, what do you want Barry Trotz to do? I just, I cannot believe that Barry Trotz is out, and there is 10 teams trying to get him right now. And they were and they were good for the second half of the season. They were plucky. And like they had moments where weren't they above five hundred for a big part of the second half of the season? Like they were decent. Like it's not they like were, they stunk the whole year. They were minus twenty in goal differential at one point and scrapped their way back to even in the second half of the year. And they ended up five or six down. I think uh, had a bad yeah. couple games, but man, they they got all the way back. Yeah, this is where you're end of the year meetings come in and you gather your information and if you're Lou you part of the whole exit strategy is to get an overall feel I, I think there's a number of guys in that room that just bailed on on Barry Trotz and you know whether or not the way any way you look at it right uh, Barry could not squeeze more out of this lineup and I think when it comes to Barzell That's and right. Barry Trotz you're talking about a, a guy that uh, at times I'm sure Barry looked at him and said, you're our highest paid guy. You're our star. You should be doing more. I, he finished with 15 goals this season, guys. Yeah, that's, he plays in the third line. Lou, I think that's a source of contention. Somehow Lou looked at that and said, Barry, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to squeeze more than 15 out of this guy. Yeah, yeah. That, there may be something there with Barzal and Trotz just in that – Barzal's supposed to be their best guy, and they were getting nothing out of him, using him on the third line. It also, you know, there may be something with Trotz where he looks at his roster and says, yeah, more more years of Palmieri and more years of Parisi and more years of old, old players all throughout my lineup. you got to give me something. I wonder if him and Lou were just at odds about the way the team needed to go forwards. The other thing for me that really stood out is – how different that blue line looked from one year to the next. And yes, it's great that Dobson made some great strides, but Taves, Taves. to Colorado, Oof. Uh, Letty gone. And I know Letty's not Letty of a few years ago, but substitute Taves and Letty for Chara and, you know, more responsibility to a guy like Green. It's just. It's not, it's it's not coach friendly. No. What what was the story with Taves, Borny? Why did they trade Taves? Cap. Uh, cap. Yeah, cap. cap. They just couldn't pay him because they're paying too much money to, you know, everyone else who's thirty five years old in the league. So Jeez. that's and, a and just, larceny uh, by Sackick. Well, and a misreading uh, of of your guys by the Islanders and Lou. It's you know this guy is probably going to finish. Fifth in Norris voting this year, if I had to guess, Devin Taves. You know that that's just a, a complete miss at a, at a position they couldn't afford to have one. So for me, it's more Lou than Trotz. Mm. By the way, so. I heard I saw my Twitter feed after this happened, boys, and fan bases who wanted Trotz were like Vancouver, Philly, Detroit, Vegas. Uh, dare I even say it, Toronto? People are saying, can you get him before big game five? Okay, so the I would be lying to you if I didn't field multiple texts in multiple Leaf fan groups that were like, 
trots is available, eh? Question mark. Like the the conversations were floating around. Maybe not the best game for uh, Keith to have, and then to have this news come out. But no. I like you mentioned. I like Detroit. Detroit is one to me that makes sense there. You know, like with just it's a young team. They're trying to build something there. Uh, you got Eiserman. You got that whole that whole core there in terms of people that are running the team. I could definitely see him going in there and being the coach for like ten years. Couldn't you? Yeah, if he wants to live in Detroit. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I wonder if if Barry Trotz has got himself in a position to want to move. And I, if I'm not mistaken, he's roughly what sixty years of age. Yeah. Do you try to move yourself into a position of uh, general manager or president of hockey ops or take over in that capacity? And does he have that type of clout? He's been around the game a long time. He's generally a really, you know, the word is he's a solid guy. You you're, you never have to worry about you know, a Barry Trotz coming into your organization and, uh, and uh, building – a great team around you. I'm just thinking, would he be in a position now to maybe take his game to another level here? To not just coach, but also not just maybe coach, do something but to, more management. Yeah, hmm. uh, yeah. That's interesting, no, actually, you know, I I have seen him around Kelowna, BC. You know, I don't know if he's got some love for BC. Is you know, Vancouver's an interesting spot there. They've done a lot of things shuffling up their front office, and they got a coaching position too. I don't know. It. Uh, I, I think the the world's his oyster. He can kind of choose. Well, I always, and, when you say, oh, sorry, when he yeah, when you say no, he's a solid guy, I always think yeah. of the the hot lap in uh, when he was coaching Washington when they won the yeah. cup. Them making him do the hot lap and had him flying around the rink was just one of my favorite things. Didn't he do it? At the, he did it multiple times in the Stanley yeah. Cup playoffs. They're all yeah. banging yeah. their sticks for him. I love that. He did. Is there any yeah. scenario where you see him in Winnipeg? Well, he's a Manitoba guy. Isn't he from Dauphin, if I'm not mistaken? I think he's a Manitoba I'll guy. I'll get the, get the fact book out quickly. I'm, quick, I'm, I'm Googling right now. He's from. It says he's born in Winnipeg on on uh, Wikipedia. So, yeah, I mean, he's... There you go. I mean, it could be surrounding area, but Winnipeg, it says on Wikipedia. So there you go. The only thing I, I wonder about Winnipeg is... Think about him coming off of what five million dollars a year in uh, the island. Yeah, right. That was that's the contract. Can does he take a, a pay cut? Does Winnipeg step up? I mean, that, that's a pretty good resume, including a Stanley Cup that uh, many coaches can wear for a very long time. Does Winnipeg yeah. go and spend three million, four million on a guy like this, even if it does drop a little bit? It's crazy too, because like this guy has a reputation for being a defensive coach, right? He, he his teams keep the shots to the outside, trust their goaltender to be good. Like, do you want him to go into Winnipeg and tell Mark Shifley and Nick Ehlers and those guys, hey, you know, boys, we're just going to pack the house here and see see if those guys are happy with it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they would be, but he he doesn't. He rubs some people the wrong way because he doesn't open up your your guys to get points. Speaking of rubbing people off the wrong way, <laughs> and I don't know if if it's necessarily Pierre Dorian or Pierre Maguire, but somebody yeah. was rubbing somebody the wrong way because somebody's gone now. 
in, yeah. in Ottawa. And <laughs> speaking of uh, some house cleaning, Pierre Maguire uh, gone out of Ottawa. This is just after a short year where Eugene Melnick went out of his way uh, to handpick Pierre Maguire to come in and help uh, the team, the Dorian team, and it, it was anything but. Anybody really surprised here? No. No, I, the whole thing that was surprising is that he was brought in in the first place in somewhat of an unclear role that maybe seemed like the guy to eventually succeed Dorian if they decided to move on from Dorian and, you know, kind of Melnick's guy. Is that unreasonable that that may have been part of the plan? No, I I think you're 100% on that this was clearly... Um, but, you know, when we speak of the, the, the late Eugene Melnick, I, I think just the hiring didn't have as clear of a definitive role that allowed your organization to succeed off of it. He he set him up as my guy, but then I don't know if you remember um, the article or the quote out of Dorian, but it was asked early and... Pierre came firing on all cylinders that uh, he reports to me, right? So as much as it looked like a, a Eugene uh, hiring of, hey, tell me what's happening here and come back to me, it didn't it didn't play out in the pecking order that way. Well, and, and that, it was never that, that was it was it was set up right from the beginning the wrong way because Pierre Maguire or Pierre Dorian was rubbed the wrong way with this hiring he never wanted it he never welcomed it that was clear all the internal stuff got out through various uh people who would not go on record or 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 public of course but would certainly have no problem sharing you the information that these two guys do not get along they don't respect each other are they after each other's jobs what's going on here because that was the vibe out of that organization. Pierre McGuire's probably got a pretty good book in him. You know, uh, that was some year in the Ottawa organization. You know, uh, it's just a really weird position to be put in. The Senators need bodies and need hires, but they didn't need someone in that created role. So we'll be interesting to see. Um, You know, I I imagine McGuire ends up back on TV at some point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I mean... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, a lot of bodies already. <laughs> you know, ESPN, guy... ESPN, TNT, uh, even here, TSN, Hockey Night Canada. They're not short of people, right? It's Where just are you crazy. Squeeze like, that guy in. What's McGuire had three jobs in hockey over thirty years, and they've lasted like one, two, and one year, or something like that. I, I could be totally wrong on that, but it just maybe that side of it's not meant for him. You know, yeah. I don't know. Throwing that out. There. All right. Well, where do you guys want to go, Rangers um, uh, and Pitt? Well, I was just, just going to say that? before you we got anything. The, I was just going to say before we get into the games tonight, the uh, Norris Trophy finalists were announced today, and uh, there were exactly zero surprises. Hedman, Yossi, and Makar are the three finalists for the uh, Norris Trophy. So there you go. Just wanted to mention that before we get into the games tonight. I had them one, two, and three on my Norris ballot. I can tell you there that. There you go. Yeah, and I think that's right. So, and of course, if you give Yossi the Norris, you can't give him the heart, right? Yeah. What? Hey, JB. <laughs> I mean, you can. 
Yeah, All right, I no know. real surprise there. Although, Yossi, when you consider Makar's start, and I don't know what kind of pace, everybody was talking about breaking Paul Coffey's record. He was something like a 40-goal pace, yeah. Can he challenge for Paul Coffey's, uh, what did Coff get, 47, 48? Yeah. That was like... What a start. I mean, he, yeah. it's it's amazing what Yossi's been able to do this year. Truly. Like, Makar ended the season, I think, with 28 goals or something like that. Yep. and 86 and... points in 77 games this year for Cal Makar with 28 goals. So, 28 hell goals. of a season. And Coffee's best was, was I right, 48 or 47? I think it's 47. So many points. Coff still um, has a, one of those great lines. Somebody asked him uh, uh, if you played today, how many goals would you get? Mm-hmm. And he probably said, I don't know what his answer was, but uh, he's like, yeah, maybe 20, 30. Uh, and he says, but remember, you know, I'm 58 years old. <laughs> That's incredible. That is a great line. Uh, so his, his year, his best year was 85-86 with 48 goals, 90 assists for 138 points. But Yikes. don't sleep on the don't sleep on the two years before that. 40 goals and 37 goals the two years before that uh, in the playoffs in 85 he had 37 points in 18 games. Pretty good. Nice, nice. So. I'm just looking up uh, betting odds for the end of the show here, and I can tell you that the Toronto Maple Leafs are once again favorites to win the series at minus 114, minus 104 on Tampa. What do you think about that, Sammy? Would you Leafs bet are that? favorites? Favorites. I Listen, it's just the gambling, the way they do things, it's like the team that had more points with, uh, you know, they have home ice for two out of three games here. Like it's, they're thinking of it logically. They're not thinking about what every Leaf fan knows. <laughs> like, they're, not, they're not thinking about demons when they set the betting line. They're like, oh, do I got to put this down a point and a half for the demons? Like it's just, they're just putting it out there. JB, I don't know enough about the gambling world, but does it set them up to get more bets this way? Do they feel like this is yeah. the best way that they yeah. can suck the money out of your pocket? Well, they set themselves up so that basically they minimize their own liability. So, you know, more people are going to bet on the lease, so they offer worse odds. You know, it's uh, there's definitely it's not truly reflective of who's most likely to win the series. The Leafs odds are always skewed because the most people bet on them. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Rangers and Pitt. Am I the only one that just sees, uh, for the most part, a, a dominating pit, especially even strength? No, like I see that too. Th- this was the analytical world, that this was uh, a Shesterkin year where they relied heavily on the goaltending and got beat up in a lot of other areas. And has that really changed watching this series so far for you, JB? No, they, they got better after the deadline, but they played a bunch of soft opponents. But, you know, Pitt definitely has had the better run of the play. It is wild just seeing Sidney Crosby be Sidney Crosby in this day and age and, you know, continuing to have his will. And that's what I think of when we talk about Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner is when the game doesn't go your way, can you just take it? Can you just, every time you touch it, do the right thing and, and drag your guys into the fight like the, the best players in the world have in the past? That through the legs pass, boys. 
on the empty netter was just downright yeah. disrespectful. Like it's that totally was necessary so though. Filthy. That was like oh, yeah, Delaney had. 100%. Yeah. It's just so I I think this a huge mental part of it and we talk about it with Vasilevsky, but the fact that they lit up Shesterkin is just such a huge mental block for the Rangers to get over. Like that's their best player. Their meal ticket is Shesterkin. And if Shesterkin's going to be looking like that, they're going to have a really tough time in this series to find a way past uh, past Pittsburgh. Sid had his quietest game the other night, which mm. I think doesn't bode well for the Rangers. Like this guy just, I, I don't think this guy could have two quieter games in a row yeah. now. That you to know, me, t- he's, he's dangerous tonight, Sid. He is. And I can't wait to watch That's That, that'll probably have my attention most tonight. Uh, I can't help when you're saying that Kipper, but take this back to the, the leaf series and uh, a guy who really took it, took it for Tampa at Braden Point. I don't know what you guys thought of him in game four, but I was just like, he has that Sid-like ability right now to take the play. And man, did he look good. Did he not? Oh, yeah. Well, just the end of the game again and, and the total engagement and to, to just go by what Mark Messier said, that every minute counts. It's just not about the end of this game, but it what... What, what message am I sending you? Am I maximizing the 60 minutes to send the same message over and over again? We're not going anywhere, and we're just going to make it tougher and tougher and tougher on you until you break. Yeah. Bending isn't good enough. We want to break you. Points got that. And, you know, uh, do we have do we have John Cooper on Braden Point, Sammy? Do I dare ask for a Kipper's Clipper this late in the show? <laughs> This I, is a curveball. Uh, Brandeo, a curve do, we, do we have a Cooper on uh, Braden Point's play? It should be in there somewhere. Right. But uh, if you he, have it, just start playing it, but we'll talk. Stanley Cup champion, <laughs> man. He, he knows. He just knows. Yeah. No, the, it, it is. It is like the, the ability for these guys who've been through it before to just take over and dominate him and Sorelli. Hopefully now he can get Matthews away from them when, now that they're back home. Point has been devastatingly good and there was a point in game four where he walked through everybody and just got uh, Campbell just got a piece of it but it would have been the goal of the playoffs so far he's really he's really buzzing so just another great thing to think about and again like another reason why if just to listen to Mark to play every last second of every minute is you're 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 a split second away from somebody being hurt and losing somebody, and it could come in the last second of last uh, last game, or it could come in the first thirty seconds of game five. Uh, Point hasn't been healthy; he's still not healthy. Who knows what percentage uh, strength he has in his shoulder? But you want to pound that guy. You want to yeah. pound him until he can't play anymore. He won't come out for the next shift, and that to me is the biggest disappointment from the Leafs is I don't even care about the 7-3. It's you you had a physical presence in game three and you had no presence of it. It's like you bailed on it. Well, and it's so funny, Kipper, is like Sorelli played one shift in a period and came out after the period, went for a skate to see how it was. Point missed games down the stretch uh, for more than maintenance. Like, those two guys are the guys that you need to be taking it to Lean and on putting them. the body on and leaning on them rather than going out in game one or in game four and saying, we're going to start our defensive line and try to defend against whatever it is those guys are trying to do. Didn't love it. 
Big game for the Cats tonight, boys. Big game for the Panthers. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm two, two one. Just, yeah. I'm just. You shouldn't be shocked, but I expected better out of Florida guys. Come Me on, too. and no Tom Wilson, and Tom Wilson ain't not coming to the rescue anytime soon for Washington here. And that's what I'm talking about. You're you're a hit away from somebody leaving and changing uh, the feel. Like Pittsburgh, no Dumoulin, and you're on your third goalie. You think if the, if you're the Rangers, you're not kicking yourself uh, going against a depleted lineup like that? Yeah. Yeah, and the strangest thing is, like, some of these great offensive teams, you know, Florida was the best offensive team in the last 20 years, and what are they scoring, two goals a game? against Washington, you know, the, the, the Calgary Flames, the best offensive, or sixth best offensive team, they can't score. It's not easy to score this time of year, boys. All right, we look forward to the four games on tap tonight. Should be fun. Our thanks yeah, to Mark Messier and Eric Francis. Boys, chicken salad today. Chicken <laughs> That's what we salad. Made. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Derek Brandale, uh, thanks for your work back in uh, in the shop, pal. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Sammy, thanks, always a yep. pleasure, JB. Enjoy your night, and we're right back here tomorrow on Real Kipper and Boyne. Born. <laughs> thanks, Not <bud>. born. Born. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody.